Hello, Hello yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie. How are we this week? We are sensational this week. Yeah, tell everyone about your week because you've had a good one. I've had a ripper. So not only did my cousin, who I love very, very much, make it up to Byron to spend a whole week with me and my family, poor thing, (laughs) she has been up and helping because Harry said to me the other night, oh, Imogen must be having the time of her life while you're doing odds and jobs. And I was like, um, I can't pause having three children and a job, but I can go away for two nights if that's what you're insinuating. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I was just, uh, and I'm like, yeah, shut up. But So the high of your week is that Imogen came to visit. The low of Imogen's week is that Imogen came to visit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> poor Imi. <laughs> No, nah, she's having a ball. She's having a ball. I bet you it was a, it was a good dose of contraception for her. Yeah, she's she's not having kids anytime soon, that's for sure. But I have actually got her onto the podcast. I said, I know you haven't got kids, but there are a lot of things. She actually pre-listened to this when we were going through the edits and she said, I didn't realise that people who don't have children can get something out of this podcast. And I said, well, thanks. But I said, especially the episode that we're bringing to your ears today because it's all about relationships and sex and whether you've had a child or not I I do think and she agreed that it it helps absolutely and I think that you know more than just having children affects your libido like there's plenty of couples out there who don't have kids who would have lulls in you know when they've got a really spicy sex life and when it feels a bit boring and whatever so Everyone should listen. I mean, we're not biased at all. But tell us about your other high. Speaking of kids, polar opposite, my beautiful little niece has come into the world. Greta has graced us with a little daughter. Her name is Gia Cove. She is sensational. I was lucky enough to be asked to go to the birth and help her, assist her with her breathing. She was an absolute trooper. I won't go into too much detail because I think we actually might have her on as a guest in a couple of weeks when she feels comfortable, but it was just, if anyone gets the opportunity to watch or be there in a birth, I highly suggest it because it's just mind-blowing. I was actually thinking about this before I came on that I am just dying to be in someone's birth and one of my best friends is pregnant right now and I was trying to subtly hint to her this morning like, oh, anyway, she didn't take the bait. I have not been invited into the delivery room (laughs) at all. So I'm just going to put it out there. If there's any pregnant listeners that live nearish to me, you know, it might be hard to kind of uproot my life and just fly into state and wait around for you to go into labor. But anyone who's like in the Northern Rivers, Gold Coast, you know, Brisbane, I would even consider like, I think I would be an incredible birth support. I think you want me there. And more importantly, I really want to be there. Yeah. And I can come too. I can come film. No, you've already had one. No, I've had two. I had my um my best friend in Melbourne, ex-best friend, awkward. And I witnessed two of her beautiful births and it was incredible. So I am, yes, I'm very greedy, but I'm absolutely humbled that I have had the opportunities that I've had because it is, it's something else. Are you going to go into that story anymore or are we just going to leave that one there? Oh, that's a long story that doesn't need to be spoken about, I don't think, but um, okay, yeah. fabulous. Maybe right along. What right about along. your highs? Look, I don't have anything that could even touch the sides of your highs <laughs> this week. I've just had 
a good week. Good. The girls finally went back to daycare. Goldie started at Poppy's daycare. Up until now, she's been going to a family daycare. So this is her first time at like a big one. And she's taken to it like a duck to water. She's freaking obsessed. Poppy wanders around with her so proud the whole time. And yeah, it's been nice for them both to be back at daycare because it's the first time this year that they've been back. And yeah, so that's definitely been the high. And that's about it. No real lows. Just um, just the low of realising that no one's inviting me into their birth space <laughs> that I really want to. I got a couple of ducks too, just to add. Is that a high or a low? Yeah, it's a huge high. I got two more ducks. Now I've got three. We're back to three again. <laughs> I was going to say, high for now, when they inevitably get eaten by something on oh. your property, you'll be back to tell us about a low. Hang on, i got a low. Can I tell you my low? Is it your eye that you won't incessantly stop scratching? Okay, so I said it yesterday. I said there's something annoying me in my eye and I don't know what it is and everyone wrote in Jade it's called a pterygium and it's inflamed and someone said put breast milk on it so I dropped in to see Greta on my way back from the <laughs> shops and I said oi can I have some of your breast milk because apparently like, I'm not here to help you newborn <laughs> you've got to help me I said because apparently anyway she literally <laughs> came over my head and squeezed a few drops out onto my finger Imogen was behind on the couch going this is the grossest thing I could possibly Possibly ever see in my life. Like, I can't believe you're doing this. And I put it in my eye and it really, really helped. It actually like calmed it down weirdly enough. But I have walked well, in. Well, fuck off, Gia. Jade needs the breast yeah. milk. <laughs> I said, you need to get that shit and put it into my fridge because my eye is more of a priority than feeding your child. No, of course not. But I have walked into this, let's just call this a chipboard of a room, shall we? <laughs> and I am having allergy central. So I'll take a photo. It's not pleasant. It's only going to get worse. But if anyone's got any other advice other than breast milk that I can't get my hands on, that'd be great. Any rude or fabulouses from you other than the fact that you're stealing just the breast milk off your niece <laughs> to selfishly <laughs> squirt in your own eye? Oh, any other? <laughs> I'm just on a roll today. Uh, yes, I do. Okay. So this morning, Yumi and Billy are big fans of pets and they wanted like a cat and me has wanted a cat for ages and I just today came up with another absolute I don't know <laughs> absolute Perla. genius moment I got the dog lead out and I said Billy clip this on to Yumi and she can be the puppy and she can walk all around the house you can make her sit you can make her have some water anyway this game went on for I reckon a solid six minutes which is huge in kid time and they were happy as Larry and then oh, I'm nearly as happy as when your husband puts a leash on you and walks you around the house <laughs> with a gag in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he wishes. No, they did it and then when I filmed it, I kind of looked back and I'm like, oh, this kind of semi looks rude but it is fabulous. So I don't know. You guys let me know. Nah, it's fabulous. You do what you got to do. I'm allergic to cats. So. Oh, yeah. Well, that fucking eye is bad enough. You can't get any cats. <laughs> a mum hat got sent in by one of our beautiful listeners and it made me feel better because you know how we were saying last week that, you know, you go into Christmas with the best of intentions and your house inevitably ends up like a toy shop even when you try and be, you know, yeah. you try and keep things under wrap and it never happens. So someone wrote in saying, I'm sharing a hack we've used since our son started at childcare. Every birthday slash Christmas, we've ended up with so much shit and so many doubles of things. We pack it up and send it into childcare so that our child can still play with it while there and learns to share it with others, but it doesn't clutter up our space. Wow. That is And I'm genius. sure the childcare is super grateful. That is really, really nice. And I've also got another tip to add on because... I can. I think because you got to give your two cents worth. Oh, always wrap those extra presents up for other people's birthdays. Boom. But right, make sure you don't give it back to whoever gave it to you. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. That would be horrible. Now, before we get into this week's episode, I'm just putting a warning out there that if you know my mum is extremely supportive, listens to a oh lot of God. our episodes. Dad, shimmy, get off. turn it off now. Dad, mum. Turn it off now. In-laws, turn it off now. Nan, it, stop it. Nan, turn it stop. Down. Nan, no, Nan, seriously, I've told you once and I've told you twice, you don't want to hear what's going nan, on. Nan, you right? kinky fuck. You don't yeah. need to spice up your <laughs> don't life. Call, don't call my Nan. 
kind of kinky. I wasn't fuck. necessarily talking about yours. Just all nans, all nans. Okay, turn it off. Even friends, if you listen to this, <laughs> don't tell me anyone I could potentially bump into in the future. Turn it off. Mm-mm. Anyone don't I could listen. potentially be at a holiday destination with. Turn it off. In a birthroom with. Don't listen. No, if I, in our birthroom, continue to listen because I'm about to see more of you <laughs> than I talk about of me. Yeah, in this. well but said. Anyway, so this episode we are chatting with Juliet Allen. This is her third, I believe, time on the potty. Uh, She is a sexologist, so she knows all things sex, and we ask her all your questions about spicing up the bedroom. We hope this, you know, helps everyone feel like they're a bit more quote-unquote normal if things are feeling a little bit lacklustre in the bedroom at this period of our lives. And, yeah, we hope it also gives you a bit of a laugh because Jade especially opened up about some (laughs) absolute pearlers in this one. So it's a good thing that our husbands don't listen to our podcast because they would be like, what are you putting out there? But we hope everyone enjoys. Hello, Juliet. Welcome back to the podcast today. Uh, For those who haven't listened to our previous episodes with you, are you able to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background um, and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me back. Uh, So I'm a sexologist, which means that basically what I do is talk about sex for a living and educate people about sex. And I guess my mission is to inspire people to enjoy really great sex lives and give them the tools to do that. And yeah, my background is in all sorts of things, but the major ones would be I was a yoga teacher and then a doula and then a youth worker. And then I kind of just threw everything in the bin and decided to become a sexologist. (laughs) And that was when I truly enjoyed what I was doing for work. And then on top of that, you can also speak from like personal experience because you're the mother of two children. So you have a 15-year-old and a seven-month-old, is that right? That's correct. Yep. Um, yeah, I have a teenager and a seven-month-old. So How's that age gap? <laughs> it's actually really good because I feel like I'm doing it for the first time again, which feels really special. And the teenager, she she's definitely challenging us at the moment, probably more so than the seven-month-old, but it's just <laughs> you can't compare the different stages. They're both, they've both got their challenges. And so, yeah, it's an adventure, that's for sure. <laughs> It's a lot of different hats on, getting pulled yeah. many ways, I'm sure. But today yeah. we're going to focus on how can we spice up our sex life once Woo! we become parents. We're not going to focus too much on the direct postpartum kind of stage, like, you know, the first time you have sex again, postpartum, et cetera, because we have discussed that in another episode. But we, we've asked our beautiful listeners to send in questions about, you know, things that they may find challenging sexually since they've become parents or things that are just challenging between them and their partner sexually. So we're going to launch into them and we'd love to get, you know, some of your professional tips and tricks on how we can kind of bring more exciting sex into our lives, you know, once we are parents. Now, one of the biggest questions that was sent in was how can mother and lover coexist? How can we do both? Good question. It's um, it's one that so many mums, as you both would have experienced and are experiencing, one that we can find really challenging because we go from, especially with our first baby, we go from feeling like we're the, in the lover archetype more so and then we get thrown into motherhood overnight and we're in this like caring role and it can feel like a lot of energy output And so then our lava archetype just gets literally just pushed to the side under the bed. Feels like it disappears. (laughs) It's the boogeyman. (laughs) Yeah. So for whoever asked it, what you're experiencing is really normal to feel like, you know, it's kind of a tricky time to merge the two. So it's about finding things that identifying what makes you feel like you're in your mother, your lover archetype more. So for every woman, that's going to be different. For me, it's about having time to myself that allows me to connect into that energy. And I find lots of women do find that that really helps if they can get, even if it's just like half an hour, you know, a day, whatever it is, I'd prefer about two hours at least to myself. (laughs) 12 hours a day would be nice. Thank you. And then I'll dish it out whenever you want. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Take the child for as long as you can and then you you might get that blowjob. Um, <laughs> no, I ne- never promised a blowjob. 
Um, yeah, so find time for yourself. For lots of women, it's about doing nice things, like maybe go get that facial that you've been wanting ever since Bub was born but you just haven't made time for. Or for me recently I went and got a mani-pedi and I was like, oh, my God, I feel myself mm. again. Like I'm, mm. I feel more beautiful just with by doing something nice like that yeah so they're just a couple of examples and I think also I find this in my relationship is I can't just have not spent any time one-on-one with Nick and then just click my fingers and be like yeah the first time I'm spending time with you this week is us having sex like it's you know like you still want that connection outside of just that so I'm like let's have a conversation first let's check in (laughs) how are we going like you know maybe go out for dinner or whatever like I know time is really like sacred and you feel super time poor once you become a parent but when the expectation is literally the flick of the switch you go from mother to lover that is so difficult to do if you actually want your brain to switch off and you actually want to be present like in that act. I agree. That's a really good point. And it's actually a conversation my Nick and I had recently. Yeah. Nick, Nick. Have we all got Nicks? Yeah. Yeah. But I call mine Harry to make it easier. Oh, okay. Harry. Yeah. Um, Cool. So (laughs) you can call yours Bob if you want, whatever. (laughs) Bob, my other boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So with Nick, we recently had that conversation where I said to him, you know, I can't just like, click my fingers and be ready to have sex. Like we need to go back to basics of like seduction and foreplay. Remember when we first met? Like remember? Compliments. Yeah, just like do the nice things, you know, clean the kitchen for me. Like things that genuinely make me feel happier and more in love. (laughs) Like, you know, you know my love languages, use them and you'll, you'll get more sex for sure. Is there sort of like a shortcut when you become a parent or parents that you can sort of use because for women, well, especially for me, I can't just like take off my shirt and let's get into it like my husband can. Is there a way that we can fast track it so we are stimulated? I mean, I mean, this might be, I guess, porn related or it might be some sort of tool related to get you there quicker without having to have that long foreplay, which we probably all don't have time for right now. Yeah, well, there are different ways that can turn us on quicker. Um, But we need to find out what they are because we're all so different. There isn't really like a formula that I can give people and say if you do one plus one equals two. Imagine if you did The turn on algorithm. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be so. Rich. 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 I'd be rich if I had that that secret formula and you had to pay me a thousand. No, way more than that to get it. Anyway, (laughs) I don't have that. So, um, you know, what is it for you? This is a question for the audience. And for you guys, what is it for you that turns you on quicker if you want to have that basically a quickie? For me, it's kissing. If you, like, start kissing me and show that you're really loving kissing me and that you're just being really present, that will turn me on way quicker than if you say to me, hey, my cock's hard, like. Let's have a root. Yeah. It's like, no, don't. So, like, everybody has a different thing, though. For some people, they may hear that and get turned on or, yeah. Is there anything you guys can contribute? Like is there something that kissing helps you? Kissing yeah. for sure. Kissing but acting like you're kissing just to kiss me. Like kissing yeah. not acting like you're kissing me so that then we have sex. Like I want it to f- feel like, oh, that was spontaneous, even if that was your plan the entire time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I agree. <laughs> Sometimes my husband comes in and literally puts his penis right next to my ear and every time he does, like I'll be watching Netflix and he'll be like just put it there and I'm like, I can't tell you how much that does the opposite (laughs) for you to get sex. Like that just doesn't work and he still has not got that. (laughs) But I think also realising I think sometimes we like over-exaggerate how little time we have. You know what I mean? Like I I don't want every time we have sex to be a quickie. Like sometimes you don't want a shortcut to get there. Like I think sometimes you have to go like, oh, how long did I spend today next to you watching TV or how long did I spend next to you scrolling on my phone or whatever? Like I think sometimes we realise if it's something that we prioritise, you can actually make time for it. If you want it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. But you have to want it, exactly. Yeah, you have to want it and you have to prioritise it. It has to be something that's important to you both. And if it's not important to you both, then that's where it kind of can lead to challenges in a relationship. But we we prioritise exercise or whatever else is important to us, so we have to prioritise sex too and connection. And as a sexologist, do you ever feel pressure to always be into sex or to always, you know, have a high libido? Like how has that been for you in your postpartum phase? No, luckily I don't. I've never in my entire career felt like I have to be that person who's always having sex. I think luckily up till recently I have probably had an experience more sex than the mo- most people. But since the birth of our son, and like we said, he's seven months old, my libido's definitely dropped. It's probably at the lowest it's ever been in my entire life. And we're so okay with that. I mean, I'm okay with it because I know it's going to come back. And I know the reasons why it's low. It's because lack of sleep, we don't have family support around. So it's very much Nick and I just like 24 seven, seven months in a row, just like parenting. So we don't have much support. And yeah, uh, just like the lack of sleep thing, I think is what gets me. But I also know that that's going to change, you know, and we're, we're taking steps as a couple to make changes so that we have more time together as a couple, we have more time for solitude. And I know that it'll change. So it's all good. And you know what I love about not having a libido is that I get to really understand what it's like for other women and men Mm. who don't have a libido. And it reminds me when I'm working with them or, you know, I have clients, whatever, it like gives me a lot more empathy and compassion because I'm like, I totally get it. I know what that's like to feel that. So it's actually a gift. And I think it shows that, you know, you being someone who generally has, you know, a high libido and enjoys sex, I think it, you know, hopefully our listeners can take that away and go, it's very normal to have a low libido during that stage. And even, you know, much past seven months, because you are juggling so much and you're sleep deprived and often you're stressed. And so obviously your body is going to, I guess, prioritize the things that it thinks it needs to prioritize in terms of importance. So yeah, I think that definitely, I get some comfort. Not, I mean, I wish you had a high libido. I wish you were still having <laughs> heaps of great sex, but I guess I get comfort in that knowing that it's like, okay, well, this is very normal at this stage of our life to not always be wanting to have sex. Yeah, I think it is. And like, you know, we're prioritizing right now our son who sleep, we co-sleep with him and we choose to, that's not, we haven't to stumble upon that for comfort. That's like a choice we've made. And what's important for us is for him to have a really secure attachment, to feel loved, to feel connected to us, knowing that we are his everything right now. And so if that means we're having a little, you know, less sex than normal, uh, it just doesn't bother us because one day he's going to grow up and be like my teenager who doesn't want to be home and doesn't want to, you know, wants to just be with his friends all the time. And you'll just be having sex all the time. Yeah, tables, <laughs> floors, windows. Oh, God. You know, when we do have sex, it's so great though. So I feel very grateful that that's the case. We had a huge amount of people asking for tips on having sex when you co-sleep or share a room with your baby or child. Yeah, well, everybody has different ways to approach approach this and I guess it depends on the age of the child too but the first obvious one would be have sex when you've put them to bed and there's another room or there's a lounge room or a kitchen or wherever you have to go to have sex that's not in the bedroom so that you can fully let loose or we have Sol's bedroom is he doesn't have a bedroom but like we've called it his bedroom which is the room next to ours which is like the spare room too the playroom yeah well for his day naps he sleeps in there because it's darker in there anyway and then nighttime he goes to sleep in our room so there's always a room free but also I mean I don't see any issues and this is controversial but with having sex when there's a baby in the bed on the other side of the bed and they're fast asleep like I don't have an issue with that because they're a child they've been in our tummy for nine months while we're having sex They're listening to all the sounds while they're in our tummy. And it's not like we're, you know, BDSMing it up and I'm like, 
tied up with rope and with a gag in my mouth. No, there may be parents out there. Not right now. And if you're into that, go for it. Oh, yeah. Maybe not while the child's in the bed. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do it while he's in the bed, but I'm I'm gonna be that controversial person and say we do sometimes have sex when he's there. We don't have an issue with it. Oh, I definitely had sex when my girls were like still in a bassinet in the room. My thing is more now that Poppy is nearly four and she sleeps in our bed. And so I definitely feel like we're the past the point of being able to do that. And I, Nick and I had a a really big discussion once because I was like, when my libido is low, the last thing I want is to be having like it in the bathroom or in the kitchen. Like, you know what I mean? Like I want to start with having like very normal run of the mill bed sex before we move up to like, you know, different surfaces. And actually what we ended up doing was, you know, we were lucky enough to have a house that Poppy had her own room in it, even though she never slept in there. And so we got a double bed for in her room and just called it her (laughs) bed. She never slept on it. But we were like, I want somewhere that's comfortable that doesn't always have to be like kinky. It can just be like, you know, just at least to get started rather than going from like feeling like we barely have sex to then like having then to have it on random bench. surfaces. So yeah. That's why you got a double bed. For that's Poppy. why we got a double bed. The truth is. And comes I'm sorry, out. Pops, if you ever listen to this, <laughs> but get back into your own bed and then we'll have sex back in our own bed. Yeah. <laughs> Fair call. Fair call. I think that's a really good point because I'm the same. Like I if we haven't had sex for a while, I just want to be having really comforting, like loving, loving like, um, yeah. sex where I feel really connected. And sometimes I have to say that to Nick. I have to be like, babe, like I just want you to like just turn me back around. Just like <laughs> hold me, like tell me you love me, you know, like just gentle, soft, yeah. nice. And then we can ramp it up if we if I get in the mood. But, yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. It's got to be cozy and comfy and loving. You've often got a child in your bed. What do you do or where do you go? Mate, I have so many kids in my bed. <laughs> like I have more now than I ever had before and my husband doesn't even sleep in there anymore. Like we are all over the shop. He's out on the couch or he's in Billy's bed. It's musical beds and Yumi's in my bed. She takes up a king size bed and I'm always on the crack, but I've only just reintroduced having her toddler bed next to my bed to try and transition her out because it's not working anymore for us. So it's time. And yeah, look, she gets to about 3.30am and then she sleeps back into our bed. But I think that if we can do that, it will bring a little bit more intimacy for my husband and I, because we get to have the chance to actually be next to each other, which is a huge thing. Yeah. I don't mind Poppy in our bed, but I definitely miss you know, I'm not someone that can sleep touching, but I definitely miss just like those hugs before you fall asleep or just a little bit of a spoon or And not having whatever. to say shh. Yeah. Shh. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that was me last night. Nick was like clanking about and like putting things <laughs> down, his water bottle down. I was just like, fuck. Like, oh, I did not know where that was going, putting things down, <laughs> like just putting things down, <laughs> clanking but, instruments no, together. Know, like, just. You know when, like, it's just anything could wake the baby up? Yeah. And I was like, shush, like, I don't want him to wake up right now. I just got in bed. Yeah. And that comes back to our mind of thinking of so many other things before we can get intimate. Like it is, if you've got a baby, the last thing you want is them waking up. So when you're trying to get intimate, like I'm always, especially in that newborn phase, being so mindful that we're not loud or we're not doing something to wake that child up because I want to be able to enjoy it. And if we're going to disturb that, it's not, it's not worth it. But it was like before we jumped on the call, I was talking about having family in the house over Christmas. I feel like if you're concentrating so hard on no one hearing you, you're like so outside of being present in the moment that it's impossible like there was one time where I was like, I'm just not even concentrating on what we're doing because I feel like you're breathing too loud, but it's actually because your mouth <laughs> is next to my ear. Like I feel like there's things rocking against the wall. There probably isn't, but I feel like I got so outside of like what we were actually getting up to that I was just like, this is pointless. Yeah. This is 
completely pointless. Yeah, I think lots of people would relate to that for sure. And then there's that small percentage that get really turned on by the fact you've got to be really quiet and that it's really risky. No, not me. Yeah, that's not you. That sounds sneaky. No. Uh, how can we overcome that feeling of being completely touched out by the end of the day? You know, the end of the day is often the only time you and your partner may have to be intimate. But what do we do if they walk in the door, for example, after work and you're just like, oh my gosh, if another hand touches me, I just might implode? Yeah, uh, that's a tricky question because if you're at home all day, or you, you are caring for your children all day by yourself, then you're going to feel touched out, guaranteed, mm. especially if they're young kids and you're breastfeeding and they want to be picked up all the time and comforted and all that. I would say try and find ways to get more solitude, which isn't always mm. easy for people, but, you know, it could be that you get a babysitter or you get a nanny or you get your mum to come over once a week, I don't know, to look after the kids just so you can have that bit of time, even if you just race down the beach, have a swim, lay in the sun for 10 minutes, go home. Yeah, the other thing would be um, for partners to be mindful that you're touched out, so Mm. to communicate to your partner that, that feeling because they don't know if they if they're not breastfeeding or they're not at home all day with the kids they don't understand what it's like and that's not their fault that they don't understand so just communicating this is how I feel so when you get home you can have half an hour to have a shower and whatever do whatever but then after that can I have an hour I don't know it's like negotiating it's always negotiating time isn't it as parents I think yep It sure is. And when they are around, I guess, trying to delegate as much as you can, you know, if they are around on the weekend, make sure you are getting some time alone or some help or whatever. Because yeah, if you're never getting any solitude, there's no way that you can just keep giving to everyone. Yeah, there isn't. There really isn't. And it's just, yeah, it's about asking for the help if you're not getting it, which is hard for a lot of us to do. I find it hard to ask for help, but I mean, I'm lucky that Nick just is very hands-on. And even the other the night he he said why don't I just do bedtimes because I came out of the room was like I can't do every night you know did that turn you on him saying that to you because that would be a turn on for me yeah help is a turn on yeah 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 I was like oh my god this is so amazing having like a man who's like I'll do bedtimes because he knows that then I can get that bit of time at night and yeah it is a turn on yeah and often you can be trying to put that thing (laughs) that child to bed for like 45 minutes and you may be like lying there horizontal for 45 minutes and then you're expected to get back up (sighs) and like be a part of civilization (laughs) after you've been horizontal at like 7.30. Like it's just no way. I'm incoherent. I can barely eat after that, let alone like have a conversation. Yeah, I agree. It was an hour and a half the other night and I came out and I was like, all right, like I'm not doing this every night. (laughs) I can't. Nah. I just can't. I'm going to go insane. There were quite a lot of women who wrote in and they're in heterosexual relationships and they said that they find it really hard because I guess stereotypically in society, you know, it's it's said that men have a really high libido and want to have sex all the time and women are often the ones with the low libido, etc. But they were saying that they actually found it the other way around in their relationships and they want to know how they can help their partner, I guess, increase their sex drive or increase their libido to kind of match theirs but felt shame around the fact that you know sometimes they were getting rejected by their male partner yeah it's cool that you brought this up or that this person did because it's something that isn't spoken about enough and it's like as a sexologist when I was working with clients you know 20 all the time um so many of the women had this challenge and I've actually had this challenge before too where I want more sex than my male partner and I think it it can be hard for the guy too because they then have this shame of like I should be wanting sex all the time because that's the stereotype. So I think it works both ways that there's a bit of shame around it. So ways that you can increase your partner's libido, well, they have to want it to increase first because Mm, we can't make them do anything. So it helps if you have a partner who's like, okay, they have the maturity, the emotional maturity and awareness to admit that like, okay, this is a challenge for us. My libido is low. I'd love it to be higher. And then they take the actions towards that, which is often like eating better, drinking less, exercising more, so increasing movement. So as a woman who's in a relationship with a man, you need to get to know what that 
man needs to feel more connected to himself first. So I know for Nick, he loves surfing. And if he gets in time surfing, then he feels more connected to himself, which means he's more present and more likely to want sex. So that means that I have to not be selfish and be like, well, it's Saturday and I want, you know, I want the Saturday morning or whatever. Just give him the time to go have his surf because then I know that he's filled up his own cup and then he can be more into me and into us as a family. Hmm. So it's like what can you do as a woman to encourage your man to do things that he loves, you know, whether that's spending time with his mates or whatever. That's one thing. And going back to basics is like communicating in a really gentle and loving way that you're finding it challenging, that, you know, your libido is high at the moment. You've got to frame it so that they're not feeling emasculated and like, fuck, I'm a failure, basically. So it's like, it could be like, you know, I'm just feeling challenged. Like, I feel like my libido is higher now and I feel like I love more sex with you. And I'm just wondering what I can do to support you to feel like you want more sex with me. But, yeah, it's it's a complex one. I find the less, like, the more we communicate and the less we nag and whinge throughout the day towards each other, the higher the chance that we will have intimacy at some point because we've worked out being together for about 13 years you know, obviously there's been high parts and low parts of our sex life and having three kids and jobs, it's it's really full and busy. But I find that like if I come home and he's cleaned the whole house and taken one job off me, that in my mind goes, oh my God, I can have a shower and I'm instantly relaxed. That is enough for me to go, I have time for that and make time for that because he's also done something for me. Mm. Whereas if he wants to go out with mates or if he wants to go for, I don't know, to go to golf, if I say, yeah, that sounds like a great, I would never say that's a great idea. I'd just say, yeah, cool, go. (laughs) But say I don't message him whinging or saying, hey, when are you home? Or just pestering. If he just had a nice time, like had his moment and came home, he would be more excited and willing because we're not eating each other's heads off. Does that make sense? Oh, my gosh, yeah, totally. I have to hold back from messaging Nick when he's like goes out and has his time because I know if I'm nagging him or saying like, when are you home, like, you know, I'm tired or I'm this, he's just going to be like, fucking give me a break, like give me a break, just give me a break. So then if I don't, he comes home and he's, yeah, he's more likely to be way more present, which is the start of good connection, which is what you want, and then great sex. And it took us a while because we had to, it it was almost like tit for tat when we first had a child. It was like, I do this or I do that. And that wouldn't result in any positive outcome. It would just be us whinging and then moving on with what we were doing that day. Now we've understood that if someone has a child for the day or the kids, we do not message each other and tell them how hard it is. If I come home and I say, how are the kids? He'll go, oh, you know, and that's it. Like we don't give extra negative energy and to I each other. And I think there's other. no point of having time to yourself if you're having to constantly watch the clock the exactly. whole time. Like I remember the other morning I was down at the beach and Nick had the kids for the morning and I just went for a swim and I bumped into a friend of mine and she's like, oh, what time do you need to be home by? Like, you know, will Nick be like timing how long you're away so that then he can have the same amount of time away? And I'm like, I would honestly rather not get any time to myself than feel like I had, you know, one hour and 47 minutes. And if I wasn't home then, then he, you know, got extra time or whatever. Uh, you ha- you have to like, you know, obviously within boundaries, if they're saying they're going for the morning and you have something on the afternoon and they don't come home till 3am the next morning, that's like a bit different. But yeah, I think giving one another space is obviously so important. This has gone way away from what the question was, <laughs> but it all ties in. I think it all like ties communication, in. Communication, solitude, time together, I was going to say with, you know, the feeling shame around asking but being rejected, not that we're the, you know, the female high libido, male low libido situation in my relationship, we're the other way around. But Nick has said to me, he's just like, I just would really love for you to make an effort that every now and again, you initiate it. He's like, I know that, you know, you're not up for it as much as I am, but it would mean so much to me if every now and again, when you feel like it, 
you could make the effort to initiate it. And like, because he told me that, I was like, wow, like that's not really that hard for me to do, but it would make such a big impact on him and the way he feels about himself and the way he feels about the relationship. So maybe some of the women out there who have partners who have a low libido, they can say to them like, you know, I would really love when you are in the mood if every now and again you could initiate it. Yeah, definitely. It's really, it's hard when you have a partner who doesn't initiate actually because you don't, you if you're in that situation, you can assume that they just don't want sex, which is not always the case. Yeah. Some people just aren't initiators. So it's nice that Nick's been able to like, Firstly, feel safe enough to communicate that and know you're not going to be like, you fucking asshole. Like, why would you ask me to, you know, blow up? You're like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, that. thanks for communicating that. That's great. In saying that, we have had our fair amount of arguments that have stemmed from us having very different libidos. Like I'm not saying it, the communication doesn't yeah. always go that well. Like that has been probably like our main disagreements we have is the fact that we have very differing libidos and trying to work out a way that, you know, neither of us feels pressured or let down or vice versa. So it's definitely, mm-hmm. I say, we do, we've got to quarterly reassess what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you have to. So we have worked out and look, it might be a bit too much, but this is what everyone's here for, listening to everyone's secrets. So I have to say that I incorporate a whole balance. My libido is lower than my husband's. There's one week of my menstrual cycle that I am raring to go and I will initiate. That is just how it goes when I'm ovulating. That is when I feel that I will initiate and it's a really fun week. And then (laughs) apart from that week, it is pretty much an everyday thing where there is a lot of compliments, a lot of, you know, he always tries to cuddle or tries to be intimate in, you know, any way if I'm making breakfast or dressing the kids or honestly inappropriate times, but he's still doing it. And in those times where I'm not feeling it or I'm just not ready to give myself, I am so fine with him watching porn. He like lays off me as well. He's completely happy. I mean, he would obviously prefer to have sex. And I feel like if it got to a point where he wasn't preferring to have sex with me, he was more preferring the porn, that would be a problem. But he's he's not like that. So for us, the balance is really good. When I'm feeling it, it's always there. It's actually a really good situation for me. When I want it, I can get it. When I don't want it, he's okay to do it himself. And that's it. But it works. And I'm okay with that. That's, that's great. I love that you shared that because there's probably heaps of women who either have that situation but don't tell anyone because they're like, I don't want anyone to know he's watching porn or that they have a partner who watches porn or they watch porn themselves but then there's this shame around it. So I think it's great that you've said that. I've got a friend, a really good friend of mine, and she's been married for like 30 years. That They're this amazing couple who have like three boys, two are nearly left home, and they're still happily married and having great sex. But, yeah, the other day I was chatting to her about sex and I was like, God, my libido is low. Like, don't put your dick anywhere near me. I am like, I just can't right now. And she said, oh, I'm the same. And she said, I just say to him, like, just go and just get yourself off. And she's like, I'm so happy. If you have to lock the bathroom door, do whatever, and just enjoy yourself. You know, she's like, I love that he masturbates. And I was like, yeah, it's such a great thing to outsource to his own hand is... (laughs) you know self-pleasure so she they're together 30 years they still have great sex do you know during her postpartum periods because I think a lot of people wrote in being like will I ever want to have sex Mm. again like did she say she went through a lull with each child or is she a magical unicorn that has always wanted to have great sex no no they've she's gone through major lulls they've gone through all sorts of um lulls in their sex life which I think is completely normal like we really need to normalize that that it's not it's actually not that normal for a couple to you know be married all these years whether it's 5 10 30 whatever and for them to be consistently wanting sex with each other that whole time because it's just not normal so yeah they go through their ups and downs but when they do have sex it's great and that's what counts and they have such love and commitment to each other that yeah, that that's like the most important thing to them. 
I think that touching back on porn, it's definitely something that I feel like I had to kind of come to terms with being okay with my husband. We don't watch it together. I'm not into watching it. No issues if, you know, other couples are. But it was definitely something I had to become comfortable knowing that he was doing. Like I think that that's just because like society has kind of always told us that porn's dirty and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Do you have any tips for... I guess, women or men out there who, you know, are still kind of like getting their head around their partner, watching porn. And is there a time that porn kind of becomes an issue in a relationship? Yeah. Well, it's it's such a hot topic because so many couples have dramas with porn. So red flags would be if your partner's watching a lot of porn and they become addicted to porn and so that they need that in their life to feel pleasure and they need to have it in their sex life with their partner to feel pleasure. So that's, I think that's when it becomes problematic is that when in particular, but it can be women too, because I do know women this has happened to, they need those visuals to be able to then have an orgasm or to even get an erection or to get wet. They need the porn. And I think that becomes problematic because it doesn't lead to deeper connection with each other. It means that we're kind of outsourcing it to these random actors on a screen who usually aren't having an actual orgasm and who have makeup on their vaginas. And like, it's very, we all know, it's not the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. Bleached buttholes. Yeah. Bleached buttholes, all the things. So that's when it can become problematic. Problematic. The other time could be if your partner's watching porn but doesn't want to have sex with you. Mm. For example, a woman's wanting to have more sex with her partner but her partner would prefer to just, you know, masturbate over porn when she's not home and then when she gets home he'd rather just sit on the couch, have a beer and go to sleep. That can become problematic. So they're the kind of common ones that can happen. And then the other thing when I work with people and they're addicted to porn is like I ask them, you know, how do you feel after you watch porn? Like how does it make you feel? Because what what's important is that you're not at the end of it feeling disgusting and gross about yourself and feeling just that yucky feeling. Mm. It's like you've got to come away from it feeling good. And if you don't, then something's not quite right. I think also having like if you're the woman, if you're trying or the partner that is trying to get their head around the porn side of things and being okay with it is maybe seeing it as a a bonus that you guys don't have to like they're helping themselves out when you don't want to have to do it all the time so you don't have this added pressure of having to have sex and pleasing and also the way I sort of worked out in the early years was that they're not looking at well, my husband doesn't look at the people and he's not like, oh, my God, this body, this is it's it's a emotion and a thing that is getting him to a point where he can release. And mm. then after that, the laptop or whatever it is closes and he moves on with his day. Yeah. And they don't really think twice about that. I mean, that's what he tells me and we'll probably just stick with that unless he's got like some secret little group chat that, you know, some people do have. But no, I, I'm really okay with it. He's okay with it. Would you want to know what he was watching? Like I wouldn't want to know what the search history was. I don't think <laughs> that prudish. I don't think no. that it's appropriate or necessary to find out unless you are going to combine something to spice up your, your sex life. Like if you guys weren't having a spicy sex life and you you wanted to know I mean obviously like hopefully it's not something hectic but imagine if it was anal sex and that he was like that is the one thing I really want to try and you incorporated that into your sex life personally you know whatever if you're into that but if that was it that could change your whole life just working out what excites each other yeah but I think I would rather say is there a certain like theme Rather, I don't know oh, something never about watch. literally Yuck. reading nah. the search history yeah, no, between heebie-jeebies. I would rather privacy. just be like, "Is there some?" Yeah, that, I feel that would feel to me like reading his text messages. No, 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 no. I just, I agree. I think that is stepping overstepping. But that the is a great idea. If you feel like your partner is watching a lot of porn, say, is there like a general theme that you gravitate? Don't towards? be embarrassed because it could be something that's so. It's, that's a great idea. Thanks, doll. Yeah. Well, it's kind of taking away <laughs> the shame around it too. Is like opening up the yeah. conversation of like what are you enjoying watching at the moment you know often it's just guys just want to watch 
another guy have a, get a blowjob because blowjobs are like. But you don't on. know. And look, that is some people can be like. I mean, I don't know. I don't speak about porn to anyone. I don't even really talk about it with my husband because it's been just so long ago. Of people that listen. But yeah, just everyone else. But like, say that is a thing, and. It's only going to stay in the bedroom between you and your partner who are so intimate already. Like if you've got a child with this person, you can surely have these discussions with that person. But isn't it funny that those discussions are hard? But it's because porn has been shamed for like so long. I say bring it out, bring it on, bring it up. And there's some really good porn out there too now that isn't the mainstream porn. Like there's that producer, Erica Lust. I don't know whether you ladies have heard of her, but I've heard about her films, but I've never seen one. Yeah. Well, she's a Spanish producer and she produces films more from the female gaze rather than the male gaze, but she also like uses real bodies and real people. And, and it's actually got like lots of love and connection in there. And so if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, maybe we do want to watch porn or maybe we should watch it together, that's a good place to start because it's not the gross like XXNX or whatever it is. Like. Is it, is there more of a storyline like is or is every single one the pizza guy drops off the pizza <laughs> no, and then cool ends up fucking original. the chick? <laughs> yeah, no, it's not that. It's not like that. It's, it's more like original storylines. So, yeah. Now someone wrote in saying that their partner wants to have a threesome but she doesn't know if she's ready or if she wants that. In your experience, do you think that threesomes are generally beneficial or detrimental for a relationship and how do you go about it? Oh, good topic. They can be detrimental but they can also be really amazing for a relationship and you're not going to know really until it happens so it's the risk that you have to be willing to take. Side note, on my podcast, Authentic Sex, I have a few episodes on threesomes and how to have like conscious group sex and threesomes and all that. So that would be worth kind of looking Mm. for. But basically you need to have boundaries with threesomes. So firstly, if she's not feeling like it's for her, then maybe it isn't and she needs to trust in her intuition because you don't want to force yourself to have a threesome and you don't want to do it for your partner. Like I would never have a threesome unless I was 100% in because it's yeah. guaranteed going to end in tears. What about a foursome? So it's even? Uh, even. Personally right now, no, but, you know, you never know. I'm not going to take it completely off the table when we're like 60 and bored with each other and just like let's. Yeah, you get that. You get that key. <laughs> but I think it depends what your reservations are. If your reservations are seeing them with someone else at all, well, like, a foursome that's still gonna happen I couldn't do it personally I I just couldn't yeah I I like I I couldn't do it at the moment either I don't even know whether I can ever do it with Nick because I love him so much and I don't want to share him with another woman and I'm okay saying that too like that's you know I've tried polyamory I've tried open relating I've tried it all in the past with different partners and all that and it just doesn't feel right in my heart to be sharing my mm. partner. I prefer monogamy. And so it's about asking yourself those questions if your partner does want to explore, basically opening the relationship like that. And then if you do decide to go ahead, it's about having really clear boundaries with each other. So, for example, the boundary could be I'm happy for you to kiss her, but I don't want you to penetrate her. So that's mm-hmm. like a very common boundary is like there can be a third person involved, but you're not actually having penetrative sex. You're just having them and you're all allowed to kiss each other and, you know, oh. husband or wife can have sex, but the husband can't have penetrative sex with the other woman or whatever, the other man, I don't know. Right. So there, there can be really clear boundaries and then also having boundaries with the third person. So having a conversation together is really important. And that third person, I think, needs to really respect that you guys are a couple, that that's the primary relationship, and they need to have a lot of respect for that. So that means doing it with someone who is an amazing human being, not just the girl at the nightclub or the surf club who you take home that night and you don't have a conversation with and that's just going to turn to shit. So many thoughts afterwards about, yeah. Yeah. What just happened? Yeah. yeah. Do lubricants help with libido and the enjoyment of sex and should we be using them all the time? Great question. <laughs> Look, I think I don't think we necessarily should be using them all the time because lots of women and men we we don't need them because some women lubricate more naturally than others. 
I can say though from, you know, obviously I have a business, like a company and a brand that is lubricant, so I know lots about it. And It's fantastic. Oh, yeah, how did you go? So you- good. And we'll get to the pleasure wand later, but, wow, that thing's fabulous. Oh, great, good. Jay, did you try the oil-based lubricant? Not the oil-based lubricant, but the wand. Woo! Oh, great. Like While we're here, let's explain what the wand is. So um, they're called pleasure wands and they're made from crystals and they're shaped like a dildo. Some of them are straight and some of them are curved. I think um, you guys have the curved one. Yeah. And so, yeah, it may sound a bit strange for those who've been using mainstream dildos, but the beauty of them is that the crystals have different, it depends what crystal you choose, but they have different energies to them. So for example, the rose quartz is like more about self-love and connecting to your heart space. And it's more of a softer energy, whereas the black obsidian is more like a black crystal so it's more grounding and it's like more kind of kinky so there's different energies to each crystal and it doesn't vibrate it's like a solid crystal and like you guys say they're pretty amazing they're more amazing than you think they're going to be I think well beforehand I'd only used like I hadn't used a dildo before I'd only used like a non-penetrative vibrator which didn't get introduced till relatively recently and I was like how like this is so good what a great addition where have you been but also I was very conscious not to use that all the time because it's very it's like quite intense and like very easy to you know orgasm with like I feel like you could get reliant on it really quickly Mm. and then when the crystal wand arrived I was like oh my gosh it's like cold Cold. and so hard and I was like really quite intimidated by it like Mm. I was like, this needs to be like gentle, gentle, but it like warms up really quickly and you don't notice how hard it is and you have to be so much more, I guess, present with it as opposed to things that vibrate because it is so much more subtle, but Mm. it's fantastic. Yeah, everyone says that. You have to really connect when using it. See, for that one, I that's where my partner and I share that tool. That's something that we do together because it's... Oh, I didn't use it on my own. I used oh, it with right. Nick. Yeah, because yeah. it's quite, yeah. I just feel like that is just something I've never... Like, I think the coldness is what really makes that fabulous. Yeah, it's yeah. soothing. But don't you reckon you really have to, like, communicate through it oh, and, yeah. like, really both be present in it? Yeah. yeah. Which you'd prefer to have something like that that's not vibrating when you've already got your partner there anyway. Like I quite like that combination instead of having him and yeah, then you'd have. Yeah, so vibration every now and again is really nice though. Or solo. Yeah. Yeah, true. Everyone's different but it's good to hear that you guys love the ones yeah. because, yeah, it's funny. I always hear women, they sound pleasantly surprised. They're like, I just wasn't too sure but it's actually amazing mm. and they are. So, yeah, I'm happy that you had a good experience. But back to the lube, it's okay to need lube and it's okay if you don't need lube. There really is no given like right or wrongs with lube but I would recommend using it and having some because you know I'm a woman who like I don't necessarily need lube but I actually really enjoy using it because it increases the pleasure in during sex and it's also great for hand jobs and all that too just like a couple of squirts of the oil-based lubricant that I sell and you just home and hosed. And I think it's another like conscious step. Do you know what I mean? Like it's Mm. a conscious thing to do in the lead up so that it's not just like wham, bam, done. Like it's just another kind of like step to do together. Yeah. So someone actually sent in that they purchased one of your wands and they wanted to ask you what would you recommend and how would you recommend to use it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Well, when you first get it, I recommend putting it out in the sunshine or under like the moonlight. That sounds a bit airy-fairy, but because they're crystals, they absorb energy and the sun is going to really cleanse it. So for anyone who has one, just regularly putting it out in the full sunshine. When your children find it, especially the rose quartz one, it looks so pretty. I'll never get it back. (laughs) No, I know, I know. You can find a spot. You can, or when you go out. I'm kidding. I know, but kids are fascinated. But the good thing about them is that with children, when they find them, they don't, they don't clue they're just like oh my god look at this beautiful crystal you're like isn't it amazing that's my special god these days we've got that shit on our kitchen bench don't we (laughs) (laughs) yeah so how can you use it i would recommend if it's self-pleasure is taking time to connect to yourself and then 
perhaps using some lubricant to like massage your breasts. So if you have a nice, you know, organic or like natural lubricant, you can use it to massage your body and then massage your pussy and then really like just connect in with yourself because that's what the crystals are about is connection. Like you said, so that it really helps you feel more connected. Mm. So um, doing that and then not necessarily penetrating yourself straight away. Like think of it like sex with someone, you not you don't just stick it in straight away, not all the time anyway. Often it takes a bit of time to warm up. And then if it's a curved one, you can place the curve towards you, which can activate your G-spot or um, you can push it against your cervix, which can activate cervical pleasure. So there's a lot. I mean, this is like the short version of how I could talk about self Give us the whole pleasure. manual. Yeah. Give us a demo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that if couples are feeling disconnected, like uh, toys or vibrators or crystal wands a good place to start or do you think it's best to just connect like as people are humans naked like yeah well everyone's different for some to like purchase a crystal wand and just to go get straight into it that could be the best thing for their relationship and then for others they may feel like that's too big a step so it depends where you're at with your sex life but I think in general it's important just to begin by prioritizing like everyday connection communication, intimacy, kissing, all those things because they're the foundations of a great sex life. So prioritise them and then perhaps the pleasure one's like a little present thrown in. This is reminding me Nick not so subtly requested some lingerie and I was like, I was like it never stays on that long. Like what's the point of spending the money? (laughs) But apparently that like means a a lot to him. So this has reminded me that I've been meaning to do that for a while. The the granny (laughs) panty seamless undies aren't quite doing it. (laughs) (laughs) You mean your um, my period undies? aren't quite doing it. <laughs> your space know, with your cassette. I'm seven months postpartum and I hate to admit this because I actually love really nice lingerie, but I'm still wearing these really amazing just cotton like kind of maternity high-waisted ones that I love because I was so comfy with my tummy. They're like a I, hug. I can't stop wearing them and I'm just like <laughs> I need to chuck them because this is not sexy. Nick insists that it is and I'm like, babe, it isn't. They're like one size too big for me now. And there's no tummy there. So there's like, anyway. Yeah, but I feel like a nice, comfy pair of undies are like a hug. Like if you just know they're under your clothes for the day, you just feel like you're, like you're support. Like I can't do G-strings. I just cannot do it. I like my comfy undies. All right. So now we're going to get into what our beautiful listeners have sent in, in the ways that they spice up things at their house or in their bedroom. So we're going to share them and please feel free, Juliet, to chime in if there is anything that you agree with or want to add. Sure. But the first one that came on, and you may or may not know this, Someone said Lego Suns Cruise 2. I don't know what Lego Suns Cruise 1 is, but if number two is worth it, apparently the price tag is worth it What's as well. What's Lego We're just going to Google one Cruise second. Cruise 2. Like Lego, like you play L-E- with no, it. L-E-G-O Suns. Yeah, my son's Lego. <laughs> Oh, God, I've never even, I don't know what we're talking about here. No, it is. Look, look, look. Oh, no, sorry. It's Lilo Sonar Cruise 2 and it's literally mind-blowing. It's a clitoral vibrator, personal massager. There's G-spot vibrators and bullet vibrators. I was thinking of Lego. I thought it was like buy your two-year-old Lego because it'll, like, keep them busy or something. I was like, wow, this is really specific, (laughs) but it's obviously working. (laughs) This special range of lego keeps your two-year-old busy so you can have sex <laughs> i was like okay i was like paw patrol also does it just pop the tv oh i've set up my massage table and my husband gets more than a professional job spicy Ooh, i want to come over just to get a massage nice i don't time. care about the rest <laughs> Another one is we incorporate a vibrator that was an amazing switch in the third and fourth trimester, so pregnancy vibrating. There you go. My hat goes off to anyone who has sex pregnant. A good sexy massage from my partner helps me get in the mood if I'm not feeling it yet. Yeah, I think massages are so good because they just slowly lead into it rather than 
hot and heavy straight yeah, imagine away. that with a bit of lube if you've got time oh that's all oh, that's always nick's move when he's trying to get me in the mood is a, a quick massage often using because the oil-based lube can be used as a massage oil massage. so good yeah that is a great one. Oh, this is something i agree with tracking my cycle understanding week to week the different moods and desire changes i go through it's nice to know that it's normal yeah that's a really good one as the people on geordie shore say spooning leads to forking <laughs> <laughs> I don't get the chance to spoon anymore, but sure. I'm sure Geordie Shaw is just sh- full of absolute pearlers on how to have a sexy, a healthy sex life. <laughs> we do three to four positions each sesh. Mix it up. Wow. You well, go, go Coco. Coco. Okay, this is something fun if you are really struggling to find getting that spice back. You can get them in bookstores. It's called the sex check or the love check. You leave it in your kitchen drawer and you can take in turns of handing them a sex check. So they have different things on them like a sensual massage, a hand job, blah, blah, blah. And like in the morning, if, you know, say your partner's going to work, he might just slip you a little check and then, you know, you're thinking about it all day it might change your mind and your mood to lift it up so when he comes home that check just comes out and it's like boom or I'm like yeah I was into it at midday now it's five or rip it up (laughs) just rip it up into smithereens and go fuck you I've already done it myself (laughs) that is fun though that's good to have you thinking about it throughout the day someone said foreplay without a doubt someone else said we tell our kids we are cleaning the door and chuck bluey on and go for gold cleaning the room (laughs) not just the door apparently just specific oh because they i reckon they close the bedroom door and oh, they say we're cleaning genius. the door so the door has to be closed that actually makes oh, that's that very is really smart yeah, that's yeah very clever erotic novels get me all the time i have only had what's that one that everyone's 50 shades of Grey. yeah 50 shades but i get where they're coming from Porn and a wand. Ooh. Nap time sex. Too tired at night. Yeah, we if Nick's home during the day, we prioritise nap time sex because at night I'm just I'm nowhere. The Satisfier Pro for self-love. Well, that sounds like a, de- a device. Butt play. Apparently they go wild for it. Open communication about desires out of the bedroom and then bringing them in. Ooh. Yeah, that's always a good one. That's That can be a good turn on is talking about your desires out of the bedroom. Yeah, and then bringing them in. Yeah. I get that. It took me a while, but I'm here now <laughs> and I'm for it. Working on my pelvic floor really helped with my orgasm and feeling confident again. Mm. Compliments and physical acts always help during the day to get me in the mood. Agreed. Crystal wands and I would love to share your pleasure school. Oh, you want what are you saying you want to share or well Sophie signed up to your pleasure school she's yet to attend but she's very keen <laughs> I've been a bad student. <laughs> she's a bad girl she's actually done too much practice she needs to get back in there but can you share with our listeners what your pleasure school involves if people are interested in joining basically it's like an online course that I've developed and it's got about 40 something lessons so prior to pleasure school I used to travel around and teach workshops and then I decided I want to have more kids so I'll develop something that is all online so I put all my workshops on to like an online platform and then I've got other teachers in there including my partner Nick who teaches some of the lessons for guys and yeah it's just a a, like a 12-month course that you can go through and it teaches you all about sex and connection and relationships and enjoying life and having a pleasurable life basically and um for singles couples and you can do it together or not or yeah that's the short kind of description of well, pleasure school it sounds absolutely fabulous and we will have a debrief when sophie finally does get and i around bought to... it for nick for father's day last year so <laughs> i, I really that. need to get my shit together yes. oh you do you do that in the lingerie yeah i'll add them to my list the never-ending list yeah well thank you so much for joining us again today juliet if anyone has any topics that they would like juliet to discuss on the podcast let us know but thank you for making the time and yeah speaking so openly and honestly about sex in general thanks for having me it's always fun I love chatting to you both so and thank you for being so open especially you Jade with the the penis in the ear thing the point <laughs> you know me I'm always I know, open always on the potty good, yeah I love it I really love it we need more when you women. surprise a sexologist you know you're open <laughs> well yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I love it. I love your openness. So thank you. Both thank of you. you. Yeah. Thank you for thanking me. And thank you. <laughs> and thank you to all our listeners for sending in their fabulous tips on spicing up the bedroom because I think there's a lot of people out there that can take in terms of all those things that came in. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.